Good morning and welcome. Thank you for being with us. My name is Craig Thompson. I am the senior pastor here, and it is our privilege to have you with us as we've gathered together to worship Lord Jesus on this first Lord's Day of 2022. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Genesis, chapter 2. So you can go ahead and be turning there. Let me just make a couple of notes of, of reference for you. In the bulletin, or the worship guide, whatever you prefer to call it, um, it makes reference to the fact that there are no, excuse me, no evening worship services this month, or no evening services. That is no Sunday evening services. So we still have regular Wednesday night stuff beginning this Wednesday, but there are uh, none. We have done that several times in recent years, and so uh, we're doing that again this January. Uh, in February, we will begin equipping studies in earnest. Our equipping studies are a little bit different. If y'all would just po- tolerate my, my announcements for just a moment. We are, we are not doing any um, uh, sex-graded gender studies. In other words, gender studies. Holy cow. <laughs> ah, we aren't doing those either. Um, it's going to be a long day. You could turn that air on over there before I sweat really bad up here. Um, but uh, uh, all of our, <laughs> y'all are all enjoying that. Yeah. I've been reading a book, never mind, y'all don't care. All right, but we're doing equipping studies differently, so there's no men's studies, no women's studies. There are no youth studies, this, this, uh, uh, this term for equipping studies. And the purpose, our goal, our desire, kind of what we pushed in December was lots of fellowship opportunities. We've got so many new faces, and we have a hard time everybody kind of meeting new folks. And so we wanted to sort of force you out of those. So those of you ladies maybe who always did a women's study, we're taking those away so that you can't do those. And we're going to force you to actually be around somebody else and maybe try to build some new relationships. You men that would navigate more toward a men's study, we're, we're not going to have those. And it's, it's not because those don't matter. Those will make a return. But we're trying our best to sort of mix things up a little bit uh, because we do recognize that with COVID uh, and all those other things and just the growth that we've seen, there's just a lot of new faces and, and our, our life groups are great and healthy and we're so thankful we're going to continue to rely on those to be the locust of ministry in our church body. But for some of you, the only people you've really gotten to know in the past six or eight months are the people really in your life group. So we're, we're trying to just kind of mix it up a little bit and rub shoulders. And so the information about equipping studies was in the newsletter this past uh, week that came out. Uh, so please make reference to that and the things that will be going on there. Uh, the only other thing I want to mention to you this morning, uh, today is January the 2nd. Last year we focused on reading God's Word together. As a matter of fact, uh, on uh, the last Sunday this month, Pastor Kevin is going to preach the sermon he hoped to preach last Sunday, uh, but uh, um, pneumonia got in the way of that. And he's going to give us a, just a big wrap-up of exactly how God's Word is one big story from beginning to end. God accomplishing His purposes of salvation, but... <coughs> Excuse me. I ate something before I came in, and it's still stuck back there. Um, but if, even though last year we focused on the Bible, okay, I hope that you developed a love for God's Word that will lead you to read the Bible again this year. Some of you didn't quite make it through, and that's okay. Keep it up. But if you want to read the Bible with us again, I read the Bible almost every single year. Uh, This year, I I will be doing that again. Uh, Today's January the 2nd. If you didn't start yesterday, you've got time to make it up. 
Uh, on our website, you can go to the whole story. There's a tab at the top of the website. Pastor Kevin updated it with extra um, Bible reading guides this year. There's a chronological Bible reading guide if you would like to read it, read the Bible in order of the way that, uh, that the events took place. So if you do that, you'll read Genesis 1 through 11, um, and then you'll pick up with the book of Job, uh, and you'll, you'll do the book of Job and some other things uh, that way. If you want to read it, Genesis to Revelation, there's one of those. There's even the McChain Bible reading plan. For those of you who really want extra credit, you're going to consume a lot of Bible if you read that, uh, that, um, uh, that plan. I believe it's two verses from, or two chapters from the Old Testament, two from the New Testament, and a psalm every day or something like that. So anyway, those are all there. I would encourage you, if you didn't start yesterday, it's okay. You got time. You're a good man. Thanks, pal. Um, Okay, having said all that, we're in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. So I'm going to ask you to please stand with me in honor of God's Word. Let me read to you. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would teach us to rest in you. Show us, God, that you're enough, that you can be trusted. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the month of January, I'm going to spend four weeks hoping to get you off to a strong start in this new year. In February, we will be in the book of Acts. And that study in Acts will take us into next year. So um, we're going to kind of hit some hot, hot button things that I think will be important for you as you kick this brand new year off. And today we're going to talk about rest. Uh, Grace Yule is, was my college advisor at Presbyterian College way back in the beginning of time. Um, Grace and I could not be more different than two people on the face of God's green earth. Um, I am and was even then a nearly fundamentalist, strongly committed, conservative, evangelical, Southern Baptist young man. Grace at that time, and, and even though we've lost touch, I assume today, was an equally committed, liberal, feminist, ordained Presbyterian minister in the PCUSA church. When she and I met, I promise you, I represented everything in the world that she did not care for. Over the course of four years with her serving as my advisor, however, she and I became close friends, well, fast friends, as close, I guess, as a, a, an advisor and a student can be. Um, and I appreciate her. As a matter of fact, Grace attended my wedding. When I was um, in the back, all of my groomsmen, my dad, everybody had left me. We were there at Malden First Baptist Church, and everyone had left to go escort all the people in, and nobody thought about who was going to be with me. And I was in the back behind, like in, in that church, it would be back there, pacing the floors because I'm all alone. And she happened to come back there searching for a bathroom. And I was so thankful because there was one other soul on the planet that was near me. And I began to talk. And as you would imagine, nervous me, I kept on talking. And she finally looked at me. She said, Craig, you've got to get married. I need to go find a seat. I said, please don't leave me. <laughs> but Grace and I kept up for a number of years. And we were incredibly different, as I mentioned. But I reached out to her not long after you guys called me as your pastor 14 and a half years ago. And Grace had one bit of advice for me. And as wrong as I think she is about so many things in life, I have learned that she was so right about this. 
She said, Craig, model Sabbath rest before your people. Model Sabbath rest before your people. Teach them that it's okay to obey God's word as it relates to rest. This morning we're going to talk about rest. Because the Bible teaches us that on the seventh day God rested. There's an expectation for us that we will rest. That we should take a day off regularly. But we really don't like it. Why should we rest? The first thing we need to be aware of is that we need to rest to recharge. Rest to recharge. See, we get rest wrong when we see rest as a burden. Jesus spoke to this clearly in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, when Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What then is Sabbath? That's one of those big churchy words, right? We, we throw around, especially me, uh, several weeks ago we did a Q&A on a Sunday night, and I, I, I was called out later because I threw out lots of big uh, theological churchy words, and one of, my teen, one of our teenagers pulled me to the side and pastor, said, Pastor Craig, I have no idea what you said. Could you please explain that in plain English? Sometimes we can grab these Bible words and throw them around and we never actually stop to ask what do they mean. We talk about Sabbath. You might have heard that over and over and over again, but it never occurred to you to, to ask what does it mean. Sabbath just means rest. Rest. In the original Hebrew, it meant rest. And when they translated it to Greek, it meant rest. And when we got it in the English, it meant rest. Jesus said the Sabbath was made not or excuse me, that man was made not for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. Jesus said we needed rest. And the purpose of the Sabbath was not to constrain us, but to free us to enjoy rest. Rest was prescribed by God because He knew that we needed it. He knew that we needed it. Now let me ask you this. Is there a difference between rest and laziness? See, the minute I begin talking about rest, there's some of you that have already begun to say, he just wants us to be lazy. All right, back up. There's a difference. For us to rest, that means we needed to have been doing something. I, I used to eat breakfast when I was a kid. My dad would take us to eat breakfast with a, uh, a couple of old men, me, he and my brother and I. And um, one of those men, we'd walk in, and every once in a while, probably once a month, he'd say, you know what the worst thing about being retired is? I said, what's that? He said, I never get to take a vacation. He said, I never get to rest from all this retirement. You know, one of the consequences or one of the necessities of rest is I got to get tired before I need to rest. But at the same time, what is rest? Rest is not laziness. I'm going to say that again. Rest is not laziness. Now, some of you need to be awakened from your lazy, but there's a lot of you that need to be told and reminded over and over and over again that rest is not laziness. It is necessary. It is prescribed. But what is rest? Rest is at least two things. This is Craig's definition. Rest is different from your regular routine. I think it's important that we recognize that, right? So if my regular routine is to sit in front of a computer all day long um, and, and to engage in email and, and email correspondence and electronic work, then rest should probably look different for me than that. 
If my regular routine is digging ditches, then my rest should look different from that. You understand? There's a different kind of rest. So it's different than what you normally do. And rest is that which refreshes you. Rest is that which refreshes you. Jesus said that we need this Sabbath rest. The Sabbath was made for us to recharge us. Now, this is where we got to be careful that we don't get too legalistic about what it looks like. Should you cut grass on Sundays? Right? I don't. But I'm going to tell you why. I don't because I pastor your church. And one day, I was in my yard washing a car, and a man stopped Rolled his window down. He said, hey, preacher, no work on Sunday. Rolled the window up and drove off. Now, he was just aggravating me. He was my neighbor. But I don't work on Sunday. I don't cut my grass on Sunday, not because it's wrong, but just because as, as the pastor, I got people that look and ask all sorts of questions. I try to avoid that. right? But the, the, the reality is we got to be careful that we don't get real legalistic. Is, is cutting grass something that brings joy and, and relaxation to your life? Then by all means, get on your lawnmower and cut your grass. Okay? What, what is it that, that helps you to refresh and relax, to recharge? But let's back it up and also acknowledge that our Sabbath rest should look different than the rest of our week. In our Sabbath rest, we need to be thinking not only, we need to be thinking about all the ways in which we will rest. One of the ways I've been really convicted in recent years is that in my rest, I need to work to remove many of the electronic distractions in my life. Some of y'all don't really like this. And I've, I've had heated discussions with some of y'all, or I should say passionate, not heated. We ain't arguing about it. But folks, the reality is that when our brain doesn't rest, our body doesn't rest. How do we rest? Do you ever turn it off and get away? Remove yourself from all the things around you for a period of time. Rest. Jesus says we need to rest to recharge. Your rest should look different and your rest should be that which refreshes you. All right? So rest to recharge. Why else do we rest? That's the first. The second thing, we rest to rely on God. Nick Saban and his Alabama football team beat Cincinnati pretty bad the other day. Um, but last year they beat Florida in the SEC championship. And after they beat Florida on, I think it was a Saturday, on the following Sunday they were going to do the college football playoff um, pre reveal. I don't know what you call it. They got a show where they give the four teams. What do they call that? Okay. Saban was asked, hey, are you going to go watch to see who's in the playoff? And I love this quote from Nick Saban. He said, I go to church from 11 to 12, so they're going to have to either schedule it at a different time or I'm going to find out when I get out of church. Now, I know most of y'all don't believe Nick Saban goes to church, but apparently he does. Actually, Nick Saban is, is a very committed Catholic. But um, look, look, Nick Saban takes time off. Nick Saban takes time off, and when he does, get this, he expects that the world will be just fine without him. That's what I appreciated about that. Nick, aren't you worried about what they're going to say? He says, for that hour, I ain't worried about what happens. I'm going to handle me. I'm going to deal with me. Folks, some of the way, that, and, and look, like many of you, I'm ready for Nick Saban to take like an extended rest from football. 
You understand? Like, I'm done, but still. But when I take a day off or a moment off, look, I more fully trust in and rely on God. I rest to grow in my faith and to rely upon the Lord. When I, I took a sabbatical several years ago, it was a really odd feeling. For me. I remember walking away from here knowing that I was going to be hands-off for about five weeks. I, I, I was not going to be involved in the day-to-day affairs that would go on here. I wasn't going to preach. wasn't going to take a phone call. wasn't going to make a hospital visit. I was just leaving. Folks, it is a humbling experience for me to discover that in my absence, everything is just all right. It turns out Malvern Hill didn't need me all that much. It turns out the Lord can work just fine without Craig Thompson. Every time I lay my head on my pillow at night, I rely on God to keep me safe and to wake me up the next morning. I I rely on God to keep the world working just fine without my engagement. Folks, some of you don't rest because you really just don't believe that if you take a day off that the world will be okay without you. Reminds me of a little boy named Drew. His dad is a guy named John Kessler. He wrote a really good book called The Art, no, excuse me, The Radical Pursuit of Rest. But he said this about Drew. He said when he was a toddler, bedtime was a battleground for, for their house. He said, I think he felt cheated by the prospect of sleep. He hated the thought of going to bed while the rest of the world continued on. Instead of welcoming rest, Drew confronted it. He steeled himself against the prospect of sleep the way a wrestler braces himself to meet an opponent. No night-night! No night-night! He cried in indignation. Y'all had a kid like that? I've had a few. To no avail. He was consigned to his crib by the superior force of parental authority. One night my wife walked past the door and heard him muttering to himself because that was all he could do. Stay awake! Stay awake! He commanded himself. The prospect of sleep can be unnerving. While we sleep, the world continues to be active. We are oblivious to our surroundings. Supine and powerless, we are not in control during sleep, but must depend upon the mercy and protection of our God. Our vulnerability is captured in our children's prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. Listen, some of you probably in this room don't ever disconnect but because you're really just concerned that the world can't go on without you. Some of you are just so afraid of missing out on something that you just won't stop and disconnect. Folks, when we talk about rest... Do you understand that there are people around the world throughout history that have a a vastly different understanding of what rest is than we do? As Americans, we take less vacation than anybody on the planet. And I'm guilty, okay? If we were Orthodox Jews, when the Sabbath approached, we don't flip light switches because that is an act of work. In Orthodox Jewish communities... 
where there would be many Orthodox Jews living, for instance, in an apartment complex. Do you know that on the Sabbath, there are certain elevators in those buildings that stop at every single floor? So that no one is forced to work by pushing the button on the elevator. Now look, we can, you might roll your eyes at some of that stuff and say, well, that's just legalism. Well, maybe it is. But it's also possible that we don't take rest nearly seriously enough. That we really don't seriously consider what it looks like to rest. How many of you have ever planned your rest? I don't just mean a vacation. I mean planned your Sabbath rest. Any of y'all ever have a grandma that used to cook on Saturday night so she didn't have to cook on Sundays? Listen, that was people that planned their Sunday. They wanted to make sure they had it ready to go. You had to eat cold chicken because she wasn't going to fry chicken on Sunday morning. Y'all didn't have a grandma like that? Sorry. Maybe the Lord will bless you with something better in your next life. We rest to rely upon the Lord. God, I'm going to be convinced, Lord, that you can take care of this. I'm going to show up and I'm going to worship today. And I'm going to assume that while I'm here, that the whole world around me is going to be just fine. So we rest to recharge. We rest to rely on God. We also rest to worship. Rest to worship. When I was a kid, I learned a song about the Ten Commandments that taught me the Sabbaths for our worship and for rest. The Bible says God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. What does holy mean? Set apart. Different. There's to be a different day. Listen, I want you to rest from your labors. I want you to be refreshed and recharged. But God's word is clear on this issue. The Sabbath is not just for rest. It is also for worship. Now, we worship on Sunday and not Saturday. Why do we do that? Because it's been a practice of Christians since biblical times. So if you go to the book of Revelation, for instance, the Bible says that John was in the Lord's house when? On the Lord's day. On the Lord's day. Christians have worshipped on Sundays since biblical times for two reasons. Number one, because it commemorated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number two, because when Christians were still worshipping in the same places where Jews worshipped, in the temple and in the synagogues, it became increasingly impossible, that would be a nice way to say it, for, for, for some people to gather in there and worship under the old covenant And for others to come in and say, Jesus rose from the grave. All right? That's why we worship on Sundays and not Saturday. Paul addresses this when he says some people consider one day holy, others consider another day holy. He says, let's not get wrapped up in what the day is. Let's make sure that we set apart a time. Let's not get so wrapped up in which day we choose. Let's instead be wrapped up in the God that we've gathered to worship. We rest to worship. According to Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue, which is sort of the Jewish equivalent of the church house, okay? Now, that, that, that synonym doesn't work perfectly, but it's close. It was Jesus' custom to go and to gather to do what? To worship and to read God's word. It wasn't a one-off for him. It was his custom. As followers of Jesus, it should be our custom to gather in God's church on Sunday mornings. 
It should be our custom. What we used to say, some of you that grew up in the church, you can still remember this far enough back, that, that folks used to say that we should be in church unless providentially hindered. Providentially hindered. Now, we just came through a time period when there was a lot of providential hindering of us gathering together in worship. Right? Some, listen, here's the reality. Some of us are going to be providentially hindered in the next few weeks as this next wave of COVID runs all over the place. We're going to all get it and be sick for a few days and we're going to be providentially hindered from gathering with God's people because I don't want you coming in here with a fever. You hear me? And if you have a stomach virus, you better stay home. We've had this conversation. All right? We have talked about this. I have not gotten permission from the deacons, but if they will allow me, if you bring a stomach virus in here on purpose, we will have church discipline. <laughs> Don't bring that stuff to me. But we, we should gather for worship unless there is a, something that keeps us out of the way, right? Something that, that gets us out. Now, sometimes those providential hindrances are traveling for a vacation. I went to visit my parents for the holiday. There are those things. But listen, your involvement and engagement in God's church should be so regular that if you're not there, somebody misses you. Do you want to know why some people fall through? The, there, there are two reasons that people fall through the cracks in the church. Okay, Number one, they're not engaged in a small group, in a life group here. right? So if you're not regularly engaged in a life group, there is not a group of people who have basically covenanted to make sure that you're okay. The second thing that causes people to fall through the cracks is this. Inconsistent attendance at worship and at church events. Well, now, Craig, that just sounds mean. They don't care about me because I don't come enough, so they don't call to check on me. No, that's not what happens. Listen. If folks are only used to seeing you every once in a while, then when you've missed two or three Sundays, they just assume that that's normal for you. And two or three becomes four or five or six or seven or eight. Nobody intentionally didn't give you a phone call. The reality is nobody expected you to be in that seat on Sunday morning anyway. And so when you didn't show up, it wasn't a surprise. But watch. If you are in worship... Four out of five Sundays, five out of six. We don't have assigned seats here, but you know what happens? We're humans, and we fall into ruts. All of y'all kind of sit in the same place. COVID messed me up. When we were outside for like, what was it, a year, however long we were outside, we came back in. Y'all all, it was like some elementary school game. Everybody mixed up and sat in different places. I didn't know where anybody was. About three weeks ago, we were super full in here, and there was somebody that normally sits over there that wasn't over there, and they sat over here. Y'all, it completely threw me for a loop. Y'all should do that one Sunday. Y'all should plan, and everybody just come in and do this. I won't even know who's here. But listen, 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 listen focus. When, when, when we... <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> just throw you that softball, all right? Just... <laughs> Listen, the, the Sabbath is for our worship, and it's for intentional worship. Intentional worship. Deer season ended yesterday. I like to deer hunt. And I, one of my favorite, favorite excuses for not gathering together on, in worship comes from deer hunters. They're my favorite. Well, I worship the Lord just as well in a deer stand as I do in church. That's a lie. That's a lie. 
You're sitting there going, Pastor, don't you say I'm, I'm telling you it is. I've been where you are. You know what's happening right now? You're focusing on the things of the Lord, on the word that's being preached. You know what I'm doing when I'm sitting in a deer stand? I'm thinking about that until something else gets my attention. It's just the reason that I'm, I'm there. You understand? We should go to worship so that there's a purpose and an intention. I'm not worshiping by accident or by chance. No, no, no. I'm going there, and I'm going there on purpose to worship. When you get up on Sunday mornings, the pattern of your life should be that your vehicle points you toward Malvin Hill Baptist Church. When you pull your phone out and it's creepy and it tracks you for everything on Sunday morning, you open it up, it ought to say directions to Malvern Hill Baptist Church. And you go, why are you tracking me? But yes, that's where I'm going. Let's go. We rest to worship. The Bible says that God set apart a day and made it holy. Holy. Now, I'm going to get real old school mean fundamentalist on you right here. Do you make a day of your week holy? Again, am I telling you not to cut grass on Sundays? No, but I'm asking, holy means set apart Different. Is there a day of your week that looks different than the other days? If Monday through Thursday nights look like you consuming six hours of TV a night, then Sunday, for goodness sakes, I'll look like you turn it off. If Monday through Saturday looks like your family going, then Sunday might I look like your family going, boom. If the rest of the week is filled with distraction, from this, then Sunday might ought to look like that. We might ought to just put it away so that we can focus. Because it's holy, set apart, different, restful. And we rest in the Lord as we gather for worship. Is there an intentionality to your Sundays? How many of you go to bed on Saturday nights and pray for the day of worship that's coming on Sunday morning? How many of you look at Saturday nights differently preparing for how you might worship on Sunday? Instead, how many of you use Sunday as a day to catch up on all the work you didn't get done the rest of the week? Oh, we get so busy and there's so much hustle and bustle that if we're not careful, Sunday's not a day of rest. Sunday's the day to get everything else done. Listen, as a pastor, guess what? Sunday's not a rest day for me. It's a work day. You know, I, I, I mean, I, my, I was up before the alarm went off this morning because I got things to do. But that means that I've got to set aside some time during the week to rest, to do something different. I need to do that for me because the Bible says that I need it and you need it. That's why our staff gets Fridays off. It's also why I don't feel any sympathy for them when they have to work all day on Sunday because we get Friday off. If I got up at 5.30, you can get up with me. We'll have a good time. But that doesn't mean that we don't need to rest and to worship. Finally this morning, 
We rest to honor God's example. But then, look, I'm going I'm, I'm to add something right here. And His commandment. When God delivered the God for living to the Hebrews after their delivery from slavery, or I should say when he, when, he, when he gave them their God for living after He delivered them from slavery, He enshrined Sabbath rest as the fourth commandment. Listen to me. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Folks, when we set aside a day to rest, we honor the Lord's example, but we also honor and obey the Lord's commandment. Now, we need to circle back to kind of where we started. When God delivered the Israelites from their slave bondage, He gave them Sabbath as a gift. A gift. When the Israelites listened to the Lord deliver these commandments to Moses, and when Moses came down the mountain and said, Look, God's got ten rules for living. And remember what God said. He didn't say, If you do these things, then I'll love you. You know, God said, You are my people. Right? I've adopted you. Here's my last name. You can have all the things, but in my house, this is how we live. So if you had walked into God's house... It would have been like those of you, some of you got those little rules for living in your house, right? It's up there on the wall. I love the ones you get at Hobby Lobby. In this house, we will laugh often. We will cuddle. We will be silly. I'm like, in this house, we will burn that list of things because it's ridiculous. I'm sorry if you have it, okay? It's great, I'm sure. If it works for you, it works for you, right? But I, I'm going to come into your house at the bottom. I'm right in your house. You need testosterone. Um, God had this list, not of if you love me, this is, or if you will do this, I will love you. No, no, no. God, God says, look, I've, I've, I've already, you're mine. And you're my house. And this is how the world's going to know you belong to me. And he gives them a list. And the fourth one on that list is honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall work, and on the seventh you're going to rest. And folks, listen, there must have been some Hebrew, former Hebrew slaves gathered there that started scratching their heads. See, we read the Ten Commandments and we go, well, thank God Jesus has fulfilled the law and the prophets, and we don't have to be beholden to the law anymore. No! These Hebrews heard Moses say, we're going to work six days, we're going to take one off. And they stepped back and they said, whoa, 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 Moses. Whoa, whoa, Moses, wait a minute. Sloan and I were going to do something yesterday and Sloan got in a little bit of trouble because Sloan didn't listen. Well, Sloan didn't listen, not because Sloan didn't want to listen. He was super excited about what we were going to do, but Sloan was convinced that 
that I didn't know what I was doing, right? I'd forgotten something. He just knew I'd forgotten. I kept saying, do this. Go do this. And finally, he did it. And I said, now, what is so important? He said, but I, I, you forgot. I said, I didn't forget it. It's in the truck. Let's go. There was no doubt. Some Hebrews out there go, Moses, we, we can't what, rest. What is that? These people had been rescued and delivered from slavery. Day after day of incessant toil, building things like temples, pyramids, elaborate houses for pharaohs and their wives, making bricks, gathering straw. And God says, oh, my children, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh, I am going to take care of you and you will rest. I preach about Sabbath rest, and in the United States of America, there are people who will react with cries of legalism. When Moses pronounced Sabbath rest to an enslaved people, I'm sure there were cries, but they weren't cries of legalism. Tears of joy and disbelief. Why? Because they were learning that God could be trusted to meet Every single need. It was going to be hundreds of years before David would write it, but they were learning in that moment, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It was going to be hundreds more years before Jesus would teach them to pray, but when he did, he would say, give us this day our daily bread. Oh, and they were going to learn that when God sent manna and quail, He was going to send twice as much as they needed on Friday morning so that on Saturdays they wouldn't starve to death. They stood and they listened to the law proclaimed. And they learned, really learned, maybe for the very first time, that they had been set free from their bondage. They were no longer slaves to Pharaoh. They were friends of God. A slave master says, get to work. A friend says, eat at my table. My greatest fear when I preach about rest is that it, it could come across legalistic. That y'all could run home and go, well, Craig says I shouldn't look at my phone on Sundays. Well, maybe you shouldn't. But this isn't a sermon about legalism. 
This is a sermon to remind you why God has given us the Sabbath. Not to prove our worth before Him and others. No, 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 no. God gave us the Sabbath as a gift to set us free from the expectations of everybody else around us. God says on that day, rest in me, and it'll be okay. You know, there's so much more when it comes to rest than just a series of commands. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that the law was but a shadow of the things to come. See, we, we, we've lived most of our time this morning in the Old Testament, in the creation accounts, and in the commandments. But the writer of Hebrews reminds us that all those things are shadows, but they're not the real thing. They're not the essence of the shadow. For God's people, rest is not just something we do in this life. In fact, even the best rest you experience in this life is only a shadow of the rest, the greater rest that is coming in the next life. There is laid up for God's people a day of rest. When Christ will be our all in all. See, He has fulfilled the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath rest. Early on I told you that Sabbath means rest or more specifically perhaps to cease from working. Cease. Buster read to us this morning Jesus' words, cease your striving. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I hope that you'll leave here committed to resting more regularly, intentionally. But we will have all failed if you leave here with only those words because look, Jesus ties himself back to rest. Do you remember what I told you? God set Israel free and said, come rest with me. Jesus says, I will give you rest. You ready? Because Jesus offers to set you free from your slavery, your bondage, your sin, your shame, your weariness. He offers to set you free and to give you rest in Him. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. The perfect goal for which all of these other things are just shadows. And He has laid up for us a rest that we can't yet imagine. Why should we rest? We should rest because we need it. We should rest because God has commanded it. We should rest because it teaches us to rely more upon the Lord and to trust Him. We should rest to worship. But folks, we should also rest as a dress rehearsal for the greater rest that is to come in Christ.
We should rest from our strivings and our labors. Rest from our efforts to try to prove ourselves or earn His love. To rest in Him. God looked at His people on Mount Sinai. And He gave the words to Moses. You're my people. Now do these things as my people. Rest. The gift that Jesus offers is this. You're mine. Rest in me. If you're a follower of Jesus, perhaps this year what you need to do is rest more regularly in Christ. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you don't fully understand what that means. Perhaps you're here and what you know more acutely than anything else is the unrest of the world around you, the struggles, the strivings. In the midst of those things, those turmoils, those challenges, the offer I have to you is this. It's Jesus. And He is that fourth commandment in the new covenant. He is the invitation from God. Step from your slavery and find rest in me. The beautiful thing about God's Word is that it's obvious from the very beginning that God had a plan. We see the gospel first preached in Genesis chapter 3. But in Genesis chapter 2, when God set aside a day as holy as Sabbath rest, here we have an allusion to what He was going to do in Jesus. That just as He completed the work of creation, He would complete the work of salvation. And in Jesus Christ, there is freedom for you to experience full salvation. Would you come today and learn to rest in Jesus Christ? Stand with me as we pray. Father God, I pray, God, that you would work among us, in us, and through us. Father, if there is someone here today or perhaps watching at home, Lord, who who does not know Jesus. Lord God, perhaps one who has been overwhelmed by the, the cares, the concerns, the troubles of the world, Lord God, beat down by their own sin or the sins of others, Lord God, that today they would come and find rest in Jesus. Lord God, if there, is, if there are believers here today, Lord, who have been so caught up in the busyness of the world, that they forgot what it looks like to stop their strivings and to find rest, I pray, Lord God, today would be a day of repentance, not, Lord God, out of a burden of guilt and shame, but, Lord God, a turning to you for freedom, for delivery. And, Father, they would find joy as they stop their striving and lean into Christ, who is our Sabbath rest 
and our all in all. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And God, it's in His name that we pray today. Amen. As we sing this morning, would you come? Perhaps this morning you just really need to turn loose of some of those burdens and give them to the Lord as you praise Him. Perhaps you'd like to come and pray this morning. Here's what I want you to know as you sing. You've been set free. Free to worship. Free to rest. And free to know and be fully known by the King of Kings. Join with us as we sing.